Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. I think one of the worst things that we can all do is say, well, I made a decision, you know, two years ago that I was going to do X. And so, and it's killing me. (laughs) I'm going to keep on, keep on doing it. It's like, no, no, we should be constantly reevaluating and, and working out what, where do, where are we getting our energy? And I think it's, again, it's going to be different for different startups, but I think what you want to be doing is having conversations with your existing investors to say, all right, here's where we are. Here's how much runway we have. Here's when we're going to be raising again. What shape does this business need to be in to kind of get people really excited? And where and how far are we from that? Today on the show, we have James Tynan, who is a principal on the investment team at SquarePeg, a venture capital firm empowering exceptional founders across Australia, Israel, and Southeast Asia. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Easy question for you, or hopefully easy question for you, just to kick things off. But like, what what lights you up about working with founders? Oh man, uh, like I think it's just in my DNA somewhere. I think um, I used to work in kind of a startup and like launch um, products to millions of users, and I thought that that was what. I needed to kind of get lit up, you know? Sure. And and then when I started running Startmate, which is Australia's accelerator program, leading accelerator program here, and just working with, uh, you know, two people, (laughs) one person, I realized I'm getting much more out of this. I think it's the immediacy. I think it's the, the, the kind of connectedness and yeah, it's, I, perhaps I don't even know, right? Like, it's just who I am. <laughs> it's just what I like. Sure. Well, there's, I mean, are, are you, uh, are you referring to, to the Khan Academy as the other? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Listen, I love Khan Academy. It was, it was yeah. awesome. Uh, and, I, but I, I never would have thought that I'd get the same or, or an increased kind of energy boost out of working with kind of handfuls of people versus sure. kind of, you know, putting something out there that's helping millions of people. Um, and it, sometimes it feels selfish because I'm just like, oh, wow, that was, you know, <laughs> there's, there's only a small number of people that I'm affecting now. But I do think that founders as a group uh, are pretty, they scale, you know, because they, they, they can go on and do something that, that changes yeah, kind of the lives ripple effect. of many more people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like the only reason I brought up the uh, con is just because there seems to be a bit of a through line on just, education or mm. guiding and helping lead, uh, you know, whether that's millions of people online or individual founders and teams and, and just, you know, serving a bit of a, a as like a, an educator or guide in, in a very specific area, obviously. Yeah, I think that's funny. It's so funny because I never really set out to be an education kind of person, but, but I have done a bunch of stuff that has been in education. But I think it's funny. I think it's, if you think about Sal, uh, Sal Khan, he is a fantastic educator, but I think it's also just because he's so curious himself. Like I think, I think that yeah. the education bit flows naturally from he's the kind of person who really wants to understand how things work 
And then as a result, people kind of have flocked to him and his videos and his websites and whatever uh, because he really gets down to, hey, this is how this works, as opposed to, I think, a lot of what we call education that's really mm. just telling you the how to perform the algorithm as opposed to how the algorithm works. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, thanks for providing a bit of background because I, I, I want to jump into a couple topics, but it's, it's always helpful to paint the picture of where you're, where you're coming from. Just to, to level set, I'm curious to understand from your perspective, if you had to pick one word, one descriptor, just given kind of the shaky, uncertain economic times that we're in and just the startup environment in general, like how, how would you describe the current environment? Oh, I don't think it can be summed up in a word. I think it's too, it's schizophrenic maybe is the word. Okay. Which is a kind of pretty horrible word because it's one of those things that's very misunderstood, mental mental illness. But what I mean is it's it's two things simultaneously. uh, Sure. And where you fall is very random and difficult. Okay. Did you, I mean, we were chatting before we we hit record um, about, uh, you and the team bringing all of your portfolio founders and and, and whatnot together uh, mm-hmm. to I think you'll met at in Israel for some time together. Like what was what was the pulse or the vibe? Did you ha- did you have that that feeling as people were coming together that you know it, it is like they're oh, they're no, in kind of two different was, worlds? No, like I mean, it was incredible. I think so. When I am saying there are these two different worlds. Um, I think that there is uh, a lot of what's happening out there is is hard and, you know, kind of struggling and scary and on the edge and maybe a little desperate at times. Um, and then on the other side, you've got folks where things are going really well and where, I mean, I did uh, I, um, invested in a company recently a few weeks ago where it felt in some ways like a 2021 round, right? It was this company is doing incredibly well and because it's an AI kind of SaaS play that could scale enormously to a huge market, it was highly competitive and everyone wanted in, all the big funds, and it was a a really um, really tricky round. And so you kind of got this tale of two worlds where, where some folks... Uh, through largely through timing and bad luck, are kind of stuck uh, and really struggling, and, and and others are kind of flying. And I think that in Israel, what we found, we SquarePeg, we don't invest in that many companies. We're, we're kind of one of the larger Australian funds, which obviously is not saying a lot by world standards, but we're we're um, one of the largest Australian funds. But we don't cut as many checks um, as our sure. competitors. So we tend to be this kind of very high commitment model uh, whereby we are able to make sure that most of our founders are okay. And we spend yeah. a lot of time doing that. And so when everyone came together, yes, there was an undercurrent of like, wow, the world is, is not in a good place. But it was overwhelmingly energized. And I think sharing that connection with everybody else and uh, and being able to uh, feel like you were able to zoom out, I think, as a founder and start attacking some of these broader problems, I think, led to a feeling of just profound, like, 
connection and energy. Like it was really a great feeling and it, it wasn't at all. I didn't have any trace of that kind of like sad, you know, like yeah. sad kind doom of... Doom and gloom, yeah. Doom and gloom. Yeah, there was no doom and gloom on display at all. It was just very energized. It's really interesting because even since recording this series, there, I, I actually feel both of those sides. Like some people have answered that question uh, with the word like uncertain or chaotic. Mm-hmm. Others have answered that with the uh, the words as uh, you know thriving or like opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like there is no middle ground. So like, how do you? So so, that, so I'll just pick both. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair, fair. But I mean, how? It, for I guess first a couple questions is is that different because of what's currently going on, or is this just par for the course kind of thing that you normally see, or is that is it actually elevated or heightened given? Uh, oh, it's absolutely the, elevated and heightened. Okay, so I think in a world that when we were in a world where we were in 2021, there was so much money sloshing around in the system, and so many startups were getting funded that. Uh, as things have started to tighten up, there's a natural, uh, you're just naturally going to get uh, a number of folks in much more difficult circumstances than they would have been in a much more capital rich environment. So it's just, it's just a very, it's inevitable. uh, And I think that in some ways it is driving money and capital to, you know, quality, but in other ways, it, there is just a lot of luck and timing involved. And I think that's what is, is really tricky in our industry is that it's it's not a perfect um, system for ensuring that all of the best startups are only the ones that get funded. I think it does a reasonable job of that. Um, sure. But I think that there's always uh, folks who are in tough situations who aren't necessarily, like shouldn't necessarily be, like they could actually be a fantastic startup. It's a timing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like probably the ones that are really struggling, I mean, I'm generalizing, of course, but it might be exposing <clears throat> just poor business models from the from the beginning that are now, okay, now that we really have to rely on, you know, profitability or near-term profitability mm-hmm. or, or really effective cash flow, yeah. now now you're seeing, okay, <laughs> we've got yeah, challenges there's, here. Yeah, business models that work really well if there's enormous amounts of capital flowing into them for a for a long time. And, um, you know, I think you can look at, you know, Uber as an example of, you know, but even yeah. some of the soft, like even some software startups that we've seen over the years have needed incredible amounts of venture capital in order to reach scale. So I think it's, um, yeah, I think people tend to kind of scapegoat some kind of types of companies uh, over others. And, and I think that, uh, but I think that the, the larger point you're making is very true, that there are business models that require enormous amounts of capital to get sure. up. And, you know, that can be more difficult in a capital restrained environment, of course. Okay. Let's go back to your founders in Israel. I'd, I'd love to pull on that thread a bit more. What do you think, what do you think sets their minds apart? Like, what are some of these characteristics that, that you're seeing from some of your founders that are putting in what, what I'm picking up as more of a thriving state to handle what's going on and take it as, you know, take the market as an opportunity and, and just do everything possible to mm. be very competitive. 
Oh, well, listen, I would say that uh, there's a, there is a spectrum of founders in the Square Peak portfolio and some of whom have been having a really rough time. Uh, and, you know, the, the folks who are working with them are, are working really hard to make sure. sure that they're okay and that they're on solid footing. But I think when everyone gets together, I think one of the things that happens is the group itself finds a kind of valence or a, or a frequency and, yeah. uh, and that the, the connection of the group, there was something about having folks from all across, from Southeast Asia, from Israel, you know, some from the US, some from Australia, coming together with similar problems um, that, and similar interests that, um, mm. that created this incredible sense of energy. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's possible, and this is kind of a, maybe a bit woo-woo, but like there's, I think it's possible to be in dire straits and in a really tricky situation, but still have that optimistic let's go kind of energy. And it's possible yeah. to be in the world's best position and feel horrible and completely zapped of energy. And so my sense is that it was less to do perhaps with the the individual circumstances of each particular startup and more to do with the kind of psychological makeup of the founders themselves. And that's something that we select for. You know, when, we're, when we are looking yeah. for founders to invest in, we're looking for an incredible resilience and and an optimism and a drive. And uh, it's, you know, it's sometimes hard because you're only, you don't have that much data, but it's something that we spend a lot of time talking about when we're deciding to invest is what do we think of this founder and how do we, how resilient do we think they are and what data do we have to kind of look at that and what, you know, when you've been speaking to them, what impression do you get? And so it, it is something that, I'm not so, certainly not perfect at, at selecting, but sure. it's something we're actively looking for. Yeah, well, I mean, it's smart, and I think it it, it makes sense because I mean, it, it, I'm biased, obviously, given the the work that I do, but I'm a firm believer that everything starts and stops with our minds, and mm. you know, if our if our minds are thriving and we're motivated, not to say we're always in that state, but if we can recognize when we're not and mm. know and have the tools and know when to flip back in, mm-hmm. and often in settings like this, I mean, I feel like. What probably was was very uh, obvious for for the founders coming in, or maybe not obvious, but that they probably felt was the fact. Well, we're not alone. Like there's people yeah. all around the world dealing with the same things that we're dealing with, and there's comfort in that, right? Oh, of, of just feeling that 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 support. We're not alone. We've got each other, and also I think there was a sense of. Wow, these you know. <laughs> I, I hope anyway. There was a sense that wow, these square peg guys really care. You know? Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> you know, they're they're really here, and we're all really getting together in you know this incredible place, and and really kind of spending time together. And I think that's um, you know, that's a good feeling to have. I would imagine as a founder that you've got someone on your side. Um, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, it comes. I think it comes right back to just regular kind of you know human evolution and, and feeling safe and being a part of that that tribe and community and whatnot mm. so uh, yeah, well good on you guys for 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 bringing everyone together in in these times and uh, i hope more more teams are uh, going to do that and and also within their companies you know as much as it's got to be challenging right now and and your people are trying to conserve uh cash and resources mm-hmm. as much as possible but 
there is something to be said about bringing people together in a, I guess, a cost-efficient way. Totally agree. I think it's one of the things that, so I love work from home and flexibility and all of that kind of stuff. I, I'm a huge proponent and user of it. And, um, but I, I think that there's, there is this special magic to in-person and yeah, finding ways to bring that out is, um, I think a, a really great thing to do, even if you are a hybrid or a remote team, or maybe yeah. especially if you are. Yeah, of course. One of the areas, James, I wanted to, t- to chat with you about, and just to stay someone on this this theme of of energy and so forth. But the, you you had a wicked theme uh, or thread, I should say, on your Twitter feed around energy management and what I chalk up as as, as some mental fitness in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you just provide a bit of perspective of, of uh, around that thread and then, you know, some of the highlights or, or where that was all coming from? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, the short story is that um, I got really sick a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, and it was very mysterious. I didn't really know what was going on. It's funny. My mum went, I mean, it's not funny at all, but like, it's funny, peculiar. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so my mum went, went blind when she was in her thirties due to an autoimmune illness. Um, okay. And I, uh, in my thirties got a series of autoimmune illnesses. And um, when I read the accounts of long COVID now, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's exactly kind of, I mean, I was dealing with kind of a bunch of different things, like the the actual symptoms. Sure. But what the most difficult problem was fatigue and word loss. Mm. Like I couldn't string together sentences, and uh, and so this was a real existential thing for me because, as you can tell, love to talk, and also yeah. it's a big part of my job, and and being having energy and being able to go do things was a big part of my identity, and so uh, as I tried to work out what I wanted to do and how I was going to adapt to this new normal. I mean, I got a lot of coaching and, you know, everyone from, you know, Buddhists to coaches to, um, you know, psychologists and, you know, like basically speaking to everyone I could as well as all the medical stuff. And, um, and I kind of put together my own framework for how I thought about it because essentially what it came down to was, understanding that no amount of productivity, you know, green drinks, getting up at this hour and exercising by that hour was going to get me out of where I was. I needed kind of a change to a deeper level of the OS. And that was really Mm. around how I managed energy and really just even understanding where my energy came from. And so that was okay. where the, the framework came from. Happy to talk about it, but also don't want to, you know, it's your show. You let me know. How yeah, 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 fair. No, 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 no. It's, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll link to the feed in the show notes so people can take a look. But one of, one of, the, one of the areas that was intriguing to me, because I think it's just a good question around, like, are we, are we burning energy? Or are we gaining energy in a, in a sense of, of when you look at your, your calendar and your tasks and your activities? And, oh, yeah you know, often we just, we're on autopilot and, and, you know, we've got a series of steps to get to the next level of whatever it is, whether it's, you know, raising capital or just mm-hmm. getting your company to a certain level. Uh, and frankly, just anyone, like just regular human beings in, in terms of oh life, right? Yeah. I think there's this big problem 
which is, and it's, it's a problem that I think a lot of people express, everyone from, you know, religious people, like psychologists, psychiatrists, like everyone who is kind of looking at this problem uh, sees it in a different form. And my summary of it, and this is pretty, you know, like I'm not a doctor, but this is my kind of sure. breakdown of what, um, of all of the different research that I've read. And one way to think about this is to bucket all of the parts of your brain that an advanced mammal would have. So like all of the kind of limbic system, the adrenal system, like emotions, like all of that kind of stuff and, and call that the animal brain. And then bucket into another bucket, uh, all of the more executive function, the human stuff, the computation, the language, the kind of strategic thinking, that's all kind of, let's put that in, call that the executive brain. And, um, and then what I realized for myself is that, and I think it's true of everyone, is that those two brains are in like a buddy comedy movie together. <laughs> like they're just <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. And they've got to make it work and they really don't always want the same stuff, right? Like yeah. sometimes the animal just wants to play and have fun. And I mean, you know, how often have you been, I don't know, I'm sure you have this problem, but certainly investors and founders and whatnot, we tend to kind of have 14 Zooms scheduled for the day back to back because the yeah. executive thought that was a good idea. Yeah, of course. Uh, to get everything done, they wanted to get done. Meanwhile, the animal is just like, I hate you. What are you doing? You're keeping me like locked in this dark room, just like not yeah. doing anything. And so um, so I think that the when you're talking about burning energy versus um, gaining energy, my theory on this is that we burn energy when those two type, two, those two brains, those two cells are in fundamental conflict and we're mm. gaining energy when they're pulling in the same direction. And uh, one example of conflict that is very familiar to me as a procrastinator is that kind of like, uh, if you think about it in that kind of animal context, is like if you imagine if I had a monkey, like a trained monkey right here, and I, I was going to get the monkey to perform for you on the podcast, and um, and we were talking and while we were talking, the monkey's just like going crazy, doing whatever it wants. And you're like, wow, he's a pretty bad trainer. He's just like, just the monkey's going crazy. But then yeah. like two minutes before we have to perform, I get out my jolt shock rod and like shock this monkey and then it performs perfectly. And like, you would be like, wow, that's it. Like, let's report this guy to the police. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the animal cruelty. But that's essentially what a lot of us are doing with our adrenal systems. Uh, we're just yeah. kind of, you know, letting things kind of get out of control and then um, and, the, and our animal cells kind of rebelling because it's so used to being abused. And mm -hmm. then when we need to perform, getting ourselves so hyped up into a, a fight or flight, oh, my God, got to do this or the world's going to end uh, state in order to actually perform. And that, you know, listen, that may work for you. And it's, I'm not like there is no judgment if that's like, hey, that's, that's my best performance. I love doing that. But my sense is that those kind of those massive shocks and jolts to the system can be pretty punishing and that, um, yeah. that, they're, that finding ways to kind of be a better trainer of your animal, a better partner can be uh, really, really useful in managing your energy and being able to kind of maintain higher levels of energy uh, over a longer period of time. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, 
we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. Well, I think it's just, I mean, you can only go so long, right? And there's, there's, there's good science, I think, to support uh, a lot of what you're saying, and especially when it comes to your health. I mean, that's when you, it's probably what you're seeing too, obviously, mm-hmm. in your example, like that's when chronic diseases yeah. start to show up yeah. from stress and so forth. Um, and, you know, there's just, it's, it's just really hard to think mm-hmm. clearly in those, those states of mind when you're in a survival state versus a, a thriving kind of motivated excited, inspired state, anyone listening, I mean, just, just think of the last time that you were in a, in a panic mode or fearful or anxious. I mean, you probably can just attest that you, you weren't making the, the, the most logical or the best outcome kind of decisions, right? Yeah. I mean, you I can run your own test. About the, the kind of productivity uh, porn zone that we're in. Yeah. Which is not to say that any of that stuff's bad. I love it. But like, it's, it's, the idea that you can also be on 24 seven is like the, the opposite or the corollary of that kind of bad uh, trainer metaphor is like, instead of shocking the monkey only when you need it to work, it's like, I'm just going to give it constant shocks <laughs> to keep it paying attention. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's not, maybe being on 24 seven is also not what we need. Um, and, and we need to kind of find ways to, just be a good steward and partner of the, mm-hmm. the kind of animals that we, that we have our, our you know, in and when I do this in a, in a workshop, I get everyone the first thing before anyone knows any of this, this stuff I'm about to tell them is I get them to Google on their phone, the cutest animal that they can possibly find uh, and okay. take a screenshot of it. And they don't know why they're doing it. And I'm like, well, that's like that, that's a part of you. Like we all have an internal mammal. And yeah. if you can think about that, not as a resource to be exploited, like most people think about their bodies, this thing that's got to be whipped into shape and like turned into washboard abs and, you know, whatever it is you're kind of going for. Um, it's, it's think about it like a, 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 something that needs nurturing and it needs your support as opposed to just, something to be exploited. What have you found? I'm, I'm so happy we're on this topic because out of all, out of all industries, I mean, I, again, I shouldn't really generalize, but I can probably say that the startup world and, and founders and teams, especially in the early stage, there's so much to be thinking about, mm-hmm. so many factors that, and the culture is very much you know, you have to be going a thousand miles, oh, yeah. you know, just to, just to survive and get past the, you know, stage one type thing. So yeah. how do you have the conversations around, like, I get that we're seeing, but at the same time, it's only sustainable for so long. Like, where's the, where's the balance there? Yeah. That's tough. This is, this is the tricky thing, right? Because people often conflate what I'm talking about with the idea of work-life balance and, hey, you got to switch off, you got to be kind to yourself, all that kind of stuff. And that's true to an extent. If There are so many different types of businesses, but if you want to build a venture-backed business into the kind of billions of dollars, you're putting yourself into a group of mental athletes that are at the top of the world, the best yeah. mental athletes in the world. And so you can think about like Kipchoge, you know, running the, the marathon. Yeah. He 
is able to kind of at basically at rest or his, his all day pace, a pace that he could run forever and never get tired is so much faster. It's so fast. They do videos of it online of people trying to kind of maintain <laughs> yeah. his all day pace and they're sprinting and they can sprinting. do it maybe 10 seconds, a minute, you know, and, and I think that the frame to think about this is, Hey, listen, one, building a venture back startup is not for everyone. You don't need to do it. Don't connect your identity to the, the fact that you absolutely have to do this one thing and be a world-class mental athlete in order to do it. That's, it's okay. There are like, find the yeah. thing that is, that lights you up, not the thing that you feel like you should do. If sure. it does light you up and if you really do want to do it, then the aim of the game and the reason to kind of think about what I was talking about before about, you know, energy management is to be able to build yourself up to a pace where you're all day, you're able to sprint a marathon and not everyone can do it. And there's, it's kind of unfair. Some people have more, a better constitution, you know, like more kind of, they start kind of closer to the goal when, you know, it's, there's, there's variation in the population, but what you can do, I'm certain just because I've come off such a low base, uh, what you can do is get better. So everyone can manage their energy better. Everyone can increase the amount of, of, of what they can kind of take on. But part of it is knowing yourself and knowing what lights you up. If you're pretending and if you're kind of saying, I really want to do this because I feel like I should do it, that's very dirty fuel. Like it's dirty fuel if you're doing it because you're competitive with your high school person <laughs> like, or, yeah. or you, you feel like you got to prove them wrong or whatever. Like, listen, that's like, that can be great energy. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who've, who've thrived on that. But my sense is for that kind of long-term all day energy, knowing yourself and really understanding what you're about and then being able to get that partnership between those different parts of yourselves is going to be the thing that's going to get you to a faster and faster pace so that potentially you can sprint that marathon. I'm I'm so happy you share that. I mean, it's such it's such an interesting and it makes sense to me at least perspective because it, it especially if you you link it to high level athletes, right? I mean, performing at the very best, the top cream of the crop, they're putting in tremendous amount of training, yeah, also tremendous amount of recovery as well because eventually, you know, their their bodies and minds, frankly, can only do so much, and mm-hmm. it's it doesn't seem, but they know, right? Like and if you're not in the right sport or you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, yep. then they're out you're, or right. something happens. So same thing. Just, I, I guess what I'm hearing is make sure you're, make sure you understand the environment that mm-hmm. you're entering, right? And and you wanna, make right? sure you understand what you are signing up for. Yeah. Make sure you understand yourself and that there's some kind of deep connection between those two things. And it doesn't like, we're all on a learning journey, right? Like there's absolutely, I think one of the worst things that we can all do is say, well, I made a decision, you know, two years ago that I was going to do X. And so, and it's killing me. Yeah. <laughs> I keep on, keep on doing it. It's like, no, no, we should be constantly reevaluating and, and working out what, are, where do, where are we getting our energy? What feels like the animal loves doing this? The executive feels like it's strategic and it's the right move. Like, what are we, uh, where, where are those two things kind of pulling together? And if it's no longer 
in one area of life, then maybe it needs to change. Um, so I think it's, um, this is, this is where it's so hard, right? Because it's, it's impossible to talk in anything but generalities. And it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's such a personal thing that it's very hard to, um, hard to really locate the nub of it. Well, there is a theme. It's interesting because, you know, that some of the other participants of the, of this series, I'd almost say definitely over 50% at this point have brought up something similar around what you're, you're talking about, about just being okay to, I, I guess, recognize if maybe you're not on the right path or some have said, it's okay if you don't want to do this anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and almost giving that, that, that out. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the company, like your company's shutting down, but maybe that means that you're not the CEO anymore mm-hmm. or you're, you know, there's a shift there. But yeah. I find it fascinating that there, there's a very strong theme that, that has developed, of course, uh, over the course of this series that I haven't really heard much before doing the research where it seems like you're all kind of coming together independently. Obviously, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm not setting these questions up, but to just give that, that, I think that mental peace of mind or, mm-hmm. or option to just, hey, let's, let's have, it's a tough conversation, but let's at least it's, it's talk a about really, it. It's honestly, it's such a tricky one because I agree with that. I think that's really true. I also think that founding a startup is incredibly hard, no matter, even for the, the folks for whom it's gone and is going incredibly well. Yeah. There are these roller coaster moments. There are moments where you feel like you're in the pit of despair and you're never going to get out. And there are moments where you feel like you're on top of the world. And so it, it's what you don't want to do is, I think, confuse a hard moment with the this is the way it's always going to be. You know, as parents, we know this, right? That yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Telling yourself, okay, I want out with the sleep. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. This, this, we, this will pass. Like, we will, yeah. we'll get to the other side of this. And I think that um, having that faith that things can and will get better is an enormous part of the journey too. So it's yeah. always a balance. And I think that one way to negotiate that is to think less about what I'm saying you know, what, like, I'm, I'm kind of saying, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Although I think that's perfectly valid. What we at SquarePeg think a lot about what we call a strong yes or a full body yes. Mm-hmm. And in order, we're a high commitment investor. And so when we're committing to a startup, some of the investment team uh, have this kind of full body strong yes. And I think that that, I, I use that in my life, like all, like all the time. Yeah. Do I have a full body yes to commit to this thing? And if I don't, what's going on? And it really, what, what I'm, what I'm diagnosing is a shift or a, a, a um, tension between what the executive wants and what the animal wants. Because maybe yeah. I've, I've said yes to kind of doing something, but I don't feel it anymore. And it's like, oh, so the executive wants me to do this, but the animal is not loving it. And so I think yeah. that. Um, that finding a way to either get to a full body yes, like to adapt, to change the situation, to say no to this element, but yes to that element, um, is a way to kind of stay in uh, uh, in integrity, really. Like in, in like a um, this is a kind of a Martha Beck, who's a kind of really interesting writer. You probably know. Um, yeah. She talks about this like this idea of integrity, not as I tell the truth integrity, but is in like 
how I kind of hang together, like how I kind of have structural integrity as a person. And, uh, and I think that that kind of whether or not I've got that full body, yes, is my way of being like, okay, I either have integrity, I'm feeling integrated as a person. And so I, whether or not this is going to work for me, I'm going to feel better about having made this decision. And I think that's maybe, maybe one way to think about some of those really hard decisions of like, I'm, I'm feel, there's something wrong with how I'm, yeah, you know, where I am in the world right now. What am I? What do I want to say yes to? And maybe listen if it's just there's just no all around. Then it's just like, all right, maybe I need to create space for something to say yes to, and that's um, that's okay too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that strikes uh, strikes me from what you said is is also just to be careful what questions you're asking in those mm. low moments. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. probably not the place to be making really big <laughs> decisions. Yeah. Especially especially knowing that you know it's full of ups and downs, and to try to you know to, to try to make those those really impactful decisions probably more so right in the neutral you know position. Yeah. Find, like finding a place that's calm to be able yeah. to make those decisions is, yeah, I think that's so true because when you're at the top of the mountain, you all, you don't want to ask them. You just want to be like, yeah. it's great. Don't worry totally. about it. Uh, so I think that's so true. Finding a place to get to a, get to the center of yourself and then, and then work that out again. It's so hard. It's funny. Like I've noticed that it's hard to speak of these things without sounding very woo woo, but it's, it's, it's one of those things I think if you've, if you've been on those roller coasters and you've had those moments, you kind of know what we're talking about. And if you haven't, yeah. then you'll kind of be like, Oh, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, totally. But you will have them eventually. So yeah, yeah, you, you might come back. You can come back when you're ready. Come back when yeah, you're ready. <laughs> totally. Um, lastly, in our conversation, I, I do want to bridge in or, or tie together, you know, potentially what, what you, you know, what you talked about or any kind of advice that may have been shared when you had all your team together, mm. just around some of the financial strategies or how to even some questions for mm-hmm. founders to be thinking about right now in this kind of a, of a market. Yeah, I think we honestly didn't spend that much time. We, we've spent a lot okay. of time on that one-on-one uh, individually sure. with, with the companies. I think, again, it's one of those things that, you know, giving this general advice, you've got some companies that are going to be like, oh, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. So I think we we tend to do that one-on-one. I think if, you know, if we were to talk about it more generally, I mean, of course you want to try to get to a a position where you can ride out uh, insecurity in the capital markets. It really depends on what stage you're at. Mm -hmm. Like if you're really about to IPO, it's in a very different situation from, if you're just starting out, but nonetheless, you, you want to be able to have a lot, perhaps a lot more runway than you needed in 2021. Yeah. But it seemed like raising was very easy. Um, two, I think you want to just do everything um, the best. There's no room for, for sloppiness in the process anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you want to, have a best in class capital raising process. You want to tap your investors for all of their connect. You want to kind of hit up as many people as possible and you want to run them through a, a really crisp, clear process. You want to be learning from every meeting 
and kind of making sure that you've got you're always refining and, and improving on your answers. Um, that's when you're in the process. And I think before getting into the process, you want to be shaping your business into one that is maximally fundable. And so, um, you know, it's, it's... Yeah, what does that mean well, for, for you? Yeah, and I think it's, again, it's going to be different for different startups. But I think what you want to be doing is having conversations with your existing investors to say, all right, here's where we are. Here's how much runway we have. Here's when we're going to be raising again. What shape does this business need to be in to kind of get people really excited? And where and how far are we from that? And I think like having those really brass conversations and it's never it's always going to be an approximation like we don't know um what's going to set a future investor on fire versus what they're they're going to freak out about but i think there are some for each business you're probably going to be able to find two or three touchstones that you can be like okay so we need to kind of tighten this up uh we need to kind of crack this problem and uh we need to have a team that kind of looks like this uh and um, and I think it's using your investors and then also using founders who are, you know, uh, like a couple of steps ahead, right? So folks mm-hmm. who, are, who are kind of going through the fires right now are learning a wealth of information that you really want to tap into. So I think it's it's all of those things. And basically all of those things are advice I would have given to any founder always. They're just kind of generally good, good practices. Sure. I find it, it's it's tough, but I think that the real gains are going to be had in having those one-on-one conversations with your investors, one-on-one conversations with other founders and really sharpening up what, where you need to be and, th- and thinking about the yeah. track between here and there. Yeah. Yeah. You get into the real details and obviously the nuances, but I think what you provided is, is, and, and especially with some of those prompts, like it's, those are good direction, you know, pointers or, or, you know, to be pointed in the right direction, I should say, right. Mm-hmm. At least, at least those those questions will get you push you forward in, mm. in the whole process. Um, just thinking about what we we talked about for the majority of the conversation, what where does the link come in now with people? Let's just say, say founders going in or preparing for a raise. Like, what are some of the for you the mental fitness and, and mindset mm. and so forth to just go in? Hey, with a with a clear mind and ready, you know, to you know. To, to avoid some of that sloppiness in the process. Yeah, I think there's there's two things, right? There's the kind of just, you know, like hard skills. So, yeah. you know, literally down to uh, what does your deck look like? Are you mm-hmm. maintaining a kind of database of all of the investors you're talking to and where they're up to in the process and who, whose job it is to kind of get back to them? Uh, are you maintaining a, a list of all of the different questions that are being asked and uh, we even find that um maintaining two google docs one of them that's public facing that you can't share with messes the other one that's internal facing to all the teams okay. like, hey how do we improve on this question like you know is this really yeah. representing us the best as it can so there's like kind of yeah you know the skills bit um but then there's the kind of how you show up as a person as a human i uh, I think that that again is very individual, but I would point back to um, I, I, you don't. I, I think that um, the tricky thing here is that you don't. This isn't something you can kind of turn around in a day. 
Like you, yeah. you really, you know, like I, I would say that if you're thinking of, of go, that it's going to be, a, there's going to be a hard times for you ahead over the next six months, a year, the time to kind of start thinking about your man, managing your energy and, um, and that kind of thing is now, right? Like it's, you've got to mm-hmm. kind of build up some reps and I don't necessarily, the, the, how you do it, there is a, there's so much on Yeah, of course. Like this, all this, this isn't a prescription. Yeah. Yeah. And so really my, my uh, take would be to get less and or less wrapped around what's the perfect morning routine or what's the perfect, you know, um, green drink to blend or whatever it is or meditation yeah. app. And it's more about how like to get in touch to get some feelings of integrity between what is your head telling you to do and what on some deeper level are you resonating with? And that like, and then apply that yes to what are you feeling about meditation or self-care, mm-hmm. but apply it also to your business. And I think you'll actually get as many, if not more gains from having that sense of, integrity in the way you're attacking your business as you will from any kind of self-care regimen that you, you kind of come up with but but do both right like don't don't like not do the yeah. self-care i'm just saying that like there's so much advice out there that i i wouldn't be in a particularly good place to comment well i think what's important in, in the sense of what you said is is taking a bit of time to slow down and ask the question right mm-hmm. and checking in with yourself and you're you're right like even you know, this is a very specific series that we're recording. Um, it'll be released on Behind the Human, but on Behind the Human, I always go into the actual practices full knowing that like, the idea is not to prescribe a morning mm-hmm. routine, but more so, oh, oh, I resonate with maybe the breath work or the meditation. Like the, I can see myself yeah. maybe doing this or doing well, that. I've got one provide- example. I've got one yeah. example for you. <laughs> go for it. It's pretty dumb. But uh, for me... Uh, I like, so, you know, in the U S they have this thing on Instagram. I don't know. Like I've, I've heard about it tangentially. It's like hot girl summer. Like, you know, it's like, get ready for hot girl summer. (laughs) (laughs) So I am like a dad, right? (laughs) So I think a bunch of my dad friends and I'm like, get ready for hot dad summer. Like, (laughs) let's like, let's form a group and, um, do some, like some high, um, impact, yeah. wellness stuff together like as a group and so we kind of you know because I, I love reading about all this stuff i was like we're going to do you know three hour long zone two exercise sure. things a week and we're going to do a bit of strength training and we're going to mark it off on a google doc and give each other shit on a, a whatsapp channel and yeah. Kind of share when we've done stuff and congratulate each other and also you know pay each other out um and that for me felt like the type of wellness thing that I wanted to engage with because it was one, yes, doing a bunch of like some cool, like, like exercise stuff that I've been reading about online, but it was two, just like really engaging a bunch of my friends to connect and like screw around. And, and, um, and when we're all dads and we've got a gazillion things to do, like just getting a couple of texts every day is like a really fun thing. And so 
that's what I'm saying. Like you, there's no particular one regimen, but like if you can tap into what would you really love and what would make your life feel better, it might be as dumb as like a hot dad summer kind of song <laughs> that you put together for your um for your friends. That's going to be the uh, the show title, Hot Dad Summer <laughs> Investor <laughs> Advice. <laughs> I can't believe I told you that. You are good at this. <laughs> funny. No, but I think it's good because like I think back of you know my founder days and. I mean, just using your example, what would have been really valuable would would be to get together with, you know, some founders that are experiencing going through the same thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe you do it in a sprint, you know, you're all working up to certain rays of some sort. Um, There's the business things, obviously, Mm -hmm. that, you know, have to be taken care of. But then, hey, what are we going to do for our, our body and minds during this process? And, Let's see what resonates with the group and we'll hold each other accountable yeah. and we all win, you know, in something like that. If I could boil it down for me, I reckon it's if, if there were, if I was to kind of provide a filter to sort through all of the different things that you could do, I think the first one is what you said, which is taking some time to ask yourself some questions. Like that's, sure. that's kind of the meta one that you have to do. But then beyond that, if I was to say what's the most high impact, I think it would be some kind of movement and connectedness, like some type of move yourself and also connect with other people on some level so you're not so alone in this. Being a founder is is almost by definition being alone because you you have this business on your shoulders. You know, it's hard to kind of talk to your employees fully openly because you don't want to freak them out sometimes. It's hard to talk to your investors fully openly sometimes, although we do like a, I do everything I can to try to break that down because I think that's actually a misconception. But, you know, so I think some kind of movement and then finding ways to connect that, that feel right to you and don't feel like a burden. They feel like an unburdening, um, mm. I think, is uh, how I would kind of filter the, the myriad of things that you could possibly yeah. think about doing. So helpful. I want to respect your time, James. So just a final question and just around some resources, any any books, podcasts or apps or anything like that, that you want to suggest that you oh, find uh, have been helpful or that even that you use personally yeah. that are are good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day there'll be a hot dad summer app. I was going to say, <laughs> where's, where's the landing page for that one? <laughs> no. Um, As we're my, protected. My favorite uh, one of my favorite books in this space is the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, which I'm sure, you know, uh, is kind yeah. of so must be so in your, your space. Um, I think that has a lot to do with that first thing we were talking about of like checking in with yourself, where are you right now? And, um, mm. are you kind of above the line or below the line? Anyway, read it. <laughs> that won't make yeah. sense until you actually have a look at it. Um, uh, but I highly recommend it. Um, I think that um, the the Martha Beck book, I think it was the Path or the Way of Integrity. Um, okay. I think is is really interesting. Uh, definitely worth it. It's kind of like she takes the 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 path of, of Dante, kind of going through the okay. inferno, and and it kind of takes you through as a metaphor to kind of understand these various different paths of uh, or the, the various different ways you can kind of walk in the world and one of them is to kind of be subsumed by what the culture wants from you and what you feel like you should do versus on the other hand kind of really understanding what what it is that you want to do and what makes you feel whole as a person and I think that um that both of those things I think can really help with that 
checking in and really yeah. understanding how to chart your own path. In terms of the the movement um, stuff, I would uh, my favorite person online is a guy called um, Dr. Peter Atia. Uh, he's oh, pretty yeah. hardcore, but yeah. um, but does a, some really good explanations of you know what zone two movement is. I think most people are exercising wrong. They're exercising too hard, especially especially as they get yeah. to middle age, like me. They're exercising like they are in their twenties, or that they're trying to train for like to be an elite athlete. And we just you can actually it can be easier for you and can get you better mm-hmm. results. So anyway, um, I think yeah. Peter T is great uh, on that front. And yeah, I second um, him. He just talked about, I, th- I feel like he just came out something recently with some uh, study results around the zone two training and, and so forth. That was, m- maybe it's your runner actually that you're talking about where the, just the pace was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's constantly coming out with uh, a bit. I mean, the, the theme is like exercise is the biggest wellness or longevity drug that we have access to. It's by, yeah. by, a fact, by like a factor of five or 10, like you actually get more benefit out of regular exercise than you do at, from like quitting smoking or anything else that we know about that kind of yeah. has this massive longevity benefit. And so I think that that would be where I would say on movement. And then um, there's a guy called Johan Hari that wrote a book called Lost mm. Connections um, that I really enjoyed because it was a, a way to reconceptualize a lot of mental illness like depression, anxiety, and whatever as uh, a state of connectedness or the lack of connectedness. And okay. I think that it's what I like about it. I, th- I don't think it's complete as a mental model. Like I think there's lots of different ways of, of having mental illness and whatnot. Um, but I think we all find, you know, we're all finding in this day and age, like the stress of being atomized, either atomized as a family that we used to grow, like rear kids in a village or atomized as one worker who's remote kind of compared to, yeah. you know, being in a, in a whole community. And I think that it's so much more, it's such a more actionable frame to think about how do I increase my connectedness than it is to feel, I think, often very um, flattened by, oh, I've got, you know, there's anxiety or I'm feeling depressed or, or like that kind of thing. I think it's, that can feel very disempowering. Um, so I think that, you know, reading Lost Connections was great because I was thinking like, yeah, well, that's that's kind of a, it, again, was when I was really ill and having trouble, <laughs> trouble yeah. kind of doing anything. I was like, oh, no, this is doable. Like there are ways to increase my connectedness and, and that's... Um, I think that's a, a, a great book. I'm going to pick that one up. I mean, I'm very familiar with um, uh, Johan Harari, but I've never, I've never read that book. Mm. So, thank you. Well, I could continue forever with you, uh, James. That's I mean, fun. I feel like we're we're just picking up on the pace with with everything. There's just so much great uh, wisdom, insights, knowledge, questions. I feel like checking in, managing our energy connectiveness. I mean, there's some really, really good themes. Well, you in might this have to edit some of my answers down. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, 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 uh, the whole dad's theme is staying in there just so you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And, and honestly for, you know, you putting in your energy and being open and vulnerable yourself and helping, you know, founders out there 
so that you know the ripple effect can can live on and we all get to experience that level of innovation so thank you for that oh well thank thanks for doing this i mean it's um i feel weird taking those things <laughs> i just love doing what i do so i appreciate it uh and thanks you know thanks for doing this i hope um I hope it's helpful. I hope there's like some really great insights that, that come out of um, this series that you're doing. Well, thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.